Good evening. These things make me so nervous. So I'm going to say to Dana, I think I saw Dana come in. She talked to the Princess Within group um, last night about stepping out of uh, your box and encouraging our young uh, children and young women and men to step out of their box. So the old woman is stepping out of her box. I volunteered for this way quicker than my mind let me uh, even think about it when I said, oh, we can't cancel, I'll do it. So um, I apologize in that because there is a huge void um, with, without my sister Sue here. She is uh, the glue. She's our like little clay that holds us together. She's put so much into this to help the kids grow and to, to bring this to light. So welcome to the first of many that we're hoping of uh, our full gospel youth and our chosen generation. And what that is, is our youth group is um, from 13 to 18, and then our chosen group is from 19 to 30. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is the future of our church. And I am so um, overwhelmed um, that I am able to be a part of that. So I do want to um, bring the youth up first. We're going to sing. We're going to let them sing first. So if you guys want to come on up and get started, I do want to say thank you to my pastor, our pastor. I have a bad habit of saying my pastor, my church, because I take it personal. But I thank him. Um, because he encourages us, he supports us, and I thank you as a church for doing the same and coming out tonight. So I'm not, um, I'm not good at this, so I'm going to turn this over to Andy and the youth and let them take off for a bit. So I'm just going to encourage you tonight to step out, to step out of your box, to step out into the aisles, and to step in to the presence of the Lord. This is a praise and worship night. Um, we, he, Andy will be speaking to us, but it's praise and worship. So I, I encourage you uh, to step out and to step into his presence. Because when you do that, everyone in the room disappears. Everything in the room disappears. And you are one-on-one -on -one with him. And I encourage you to do that tonight. So let's go. myself keep walking on here's something up ahead water falling like a song an everlasting stream your river carries me home let it flow I've 
It's the song of the redeemed Rising from the African plain It's the song of the forgiven Drowning down the Amazon rain The sound of Asian believers Filled with God's holy fire It's every tribe, every tongue, every nation A love song born from a grateful choir It's all God's children singing Glory, glory, hallelujah He reigns, He reigns Towers of cathedrals to the faithful gathered underground. Of all the songs sung from the dawn of creation, somewhere meant to persist. Of all the bells rung from a thousand steeples, none rings truer than this. When all God's children sing out, glory. You give hope, you restore, 
Every heart that is broken Oh, and great are you, Lord You give life, you are love You bring light to the darkness You give hope, still restore Every heart that is broken, oh, great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your
It's risen from the dead, and now. 
say something really quick. Um, this song, I, never, I feel like I learn the words over and over every time I sing it, but this morning in Sunday school class, we were reading in Exodus 34, and it's Moses up on the mountain, and he's talking with the Lord, and the Lord said that he is full of loving kindness and mercy towards his people for thousands of generations. And uh, Moses said right after the Lord spoke that to him, Moses made haste to bow down towards the earth and worship. And he um, begged the Lord, even though they were obstinate people full of iniquity, to be in their midst. And I feel like that's us here tonight, just us and the Lord up on the mountain. And um, I hope that we all are making haste to bow and worship to our Lord. One of these days we all stand in judgment for Every single word that we have spoken One of these days we all stand before the Lord Give a reason for everything we've done And what I've done is trust in Jesus My great deliverer My strong defender The Son of God I trust in Jesus Blessed Redeemer My Lord forever the Holy One, the Holy One. What are you going to do when your time has come and your life is done? There's nothing you can stand on. What do you have to say at the judgment throne? Well, I already know. Nothing I can do on my own to find forgiveness. It's by His grace alone. I trust in Jesus. Trust in
are, but we don't feel like we have sometimes. And, um, you know, there's been times where I've prayed, like, you, if you've tore me down, that's fine, but you have to build me back up then. You've broken me. You've broken my family. And if that's what you did, okay, I'll trust it. And I'll do what you want me to do, but you have to fix me. And sometimes you got to be careful what you pray for because being broken is awful. It's terrible. I know I'm not the only one that's felt that and has been that way, but it's terrible. And it's hard, and it takes a long time to get built back up. And it's a work in progress, and he's building you even though you don't know that he's there. And it's really hard. <sighs> Sorry. If you've ever lost someone, it's motivation to get to heaven, if nothing else. I'd rather live this whole life and broken and upset and make it there on the other side than be angry and mad and be wrong and end up in hell. Because my dad is in heaven and he's there and he's waiting. And he gave me, he sent me that little baby and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. So if I am on this other side, whatever you have going on, wherever you've came from, whatever you've done, whatever you've said, it's okay. He does not care. He doesn't. He forgives you. He loves you. He doesn't care. If he'll forgive me for the screaming in the shower, punching my steering wheel, the anger that I felt, he will forgive you. Make me broken so I can be healed. Cause I'm so calloused and now I can't feel. I wanna run to you with heart wide open. Make me broken. Make me empty so I can be Cause I'm still holding onto my will And I'm completed when you are with me
praying for a miracle, thirsty for living well. Only you can satisfy. Do you hear what that word says? Only he can satisfy. And every single person in this room, if you do not know what that feels like, you should be running up to these altars right now. Everybody should be in here worshiping right now, including me. I'm speaking to myself. Those words are so powerful. Only he can satisfy. Nothing else in this world can satisfy. Only he can satisfy. So if you don't mind, if everybody would join me and get on your feet and sing that verse with me. Praying for a miracle, thirsty for a living well, that only you can satisfy. Yeah, there's honey in the rock, water in the stone, man on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need you there's honey in the rock purpose in your plan power in the blood healing in your hands started flowing when you said it is done everything you did enough there's honey in the rock there's honey in the rock I keep looking I keep finding you keep giving keep providing i have all that i need you are all that i need i keep praying you keep proving i keep praising you keep proving i have all that i need you are all that i need i keep looking i keep finding you keep giving Keep providing. I have all that I need. You all that I need. I keep praying. You keep moving. I keep praising. You keep proving. I have all that I need. You all that I need. I have all that I need. You all that we need. Been on the ground no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need. You got this honey in the rock, purpose in your plan, power in the blood, healing in your hands. Started flowing when you said it is done. Jesus, who you are, is enough. There's honey in the rock, there's honey in the rock. It's honey in the rock. It's honey in the rock. And oh, how sweet, how sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet, how sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet, how sweet it is. To trust in you, Jesus. Oh, man. How good it is to be in the service tonight.
Man, I'm glad I didn't miss this one. I'm glad you scheduled this one. I was off. Thank you. I hate working. I know. Only 20 more years. <laughs> Terrible. No, it's God's required me to work. You believe that? You don't feel sorry for me. So, after this message, I imagine many of you are probably not going to feel sorry for me either. <laughs> probably be like, go home. Um, I was praying about kind of what to give, or should I say maybe I was pondering upon God about what to give for tonight. Um, first off, if you come to hear me, I'm sorry. You're going to be terribly disappointed. If you come to have an encounter with God, I hope he meets you here. Um, I, I, Saturday, I believe it was, whenever we was at the dollar store in Bethel. I, I know I admitted that. Um, but uh, <laughs> whenever we was at the dollar store in Bethel, I said, I'm not going to give this message. I'm going to give a different one. I don't like it anyway. And I'm telling you, the spirit come on me so strong. My wife could feel it pushing the cart next to me. She said, what's going on? I said, I guess I got to give this message. There's a lot of message that's a lot more friendlier. Not that this is a bad one. If you're in the right position. Right? Yeah. All right, so question I'm going to propose to you is, are you in the remnant? It's a question I have for you. So by the end of this message, hopefully each person sitting in their chair will be able to make a conscious decision as to whether or not you're in the remnant. If you are new with us tonight and somebody invited you and you've never been to church before, I am so sorry. You're like in the hornet's nest. <laughs> but Welcome, anyway. So, to, to make clear what the remnant is, I'm not the brightest person, so I like to look things up. So, I want to know what the world's definition is, and then I want to know roughly, you know, what Bible scholars' definition is. So, world's definition, which would be from Webster, said that a remnant is a small remaining quantity of something. The anchor's Bible dictionary says that it is what's left of a community after it undergoes a catastrophe. That's rough, ain't it? We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Every generation, just so we're aware, I know that there's a remnant miss, uh, mentioned in Revelations, but every generation has a remnant. God will see that every generation will have the true word of God passed down. God will always preserve his gospel. So how many knows the story about Hannah? Show of hands. Hannah? All right, cool. So some of you is going to learn something new. Some of you is going to be the same old hat. But Hannah was, had a husband. His name was like Elkanah. So I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher these names. So, But she had a husband. He had another wife as well. And Hannah could not have children. Her husband loved her, treated her well. But God 
had shut up her womb that she could not bear children. Let's dive into it. If you got your Bibles tonight, turn into 1 Samuel chapter 1. And let's look at verse 6. So the, the other wife here, Penina is her name maybe? It says here that she had sons and she had daughters. And in verse 6 it says, And her adversary had provoked her sore, and it caused her to fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. The remnant will have an adversary. The kingdom of hell will come against that remnant. The remnant will have an adversary. The remnant remnant will be provoked to the point of being caused to fret. Doug, if you remind me, I've got a picture to send you of you hugging that altar every time you feel like that you're not doing okay or you're not going to make it. You bring your enemy right back to that point. And then you begin to talk about it with the Lord. Amen. Sorry. So, she was provoked. But if you look on down to verse 9, it said, So Hannah had rose up after she had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk, and now Eli the priest sat upon the temple post, a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. It says, and he was in bitterness, uh, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, saying, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and forget not thine handmaid, but will give thine handmaid a man child. I will give him unto the Lord all of the days of his life. There shall be no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, she continued to pray. And Eli has said unto her, excuse me, I'm, I'm past, I'm sorry. It says, she continued to pray before the Lord, and Eli marked her mouth. Meaning, kind of, he took notice. And it says, now Hannah spake in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Eli, the priest, thought she was drunk. Now I want you to think about this. There's a grief that's going on here. Hannah is grieved that she's come to meet the presence of God and to cry out unto him with bitter tears, so much praying in her heart. Her lips moved, but no sound would come. And Eli said, put away your wine. He said, go on. Quit your drunkenness. And Hannah answered and said unto him, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count now not thy handmaiden, for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of the complaint and my grief, I speak hitherto. A daughter of Belial would be like a devil's daughter. Don't count me as one of the devils. I have come in grief, in bitter tears. 
I want to tell you a remnant is going to know how to empty themselves. A remnant is going to know how to bring their grief and their sorrows and bitter tears before an altar of prayer and empty themselves out. Eli, how I read it, maybe you guys think differently, but Eli, how I read it, was lacking some discernment there. I think Eli was struggling. 1 Samuel 1, we're looking at verse 24. And it says, so prior to this, she, Hannah had left the temple. A little backstory if you don't know. Hannah had left the temple. Eli told her, as you pray, it shall be done to you. And it said that she grieved no more. She heard from the Lord. She grieved no more. She went back, trusted the Lord. says that she knew her husband. She conceived a child. That child would be Samuel. And so after the child was weaned, she took him up with her three bullocks and an ephah of flour, a bottle of wine, and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli and said, Oh, my Lord, as my soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood before thee, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed. And the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he shall live, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. I want you to understand something. Hannah came back with a victory prayer. Hannah gave a prayer of thanks. Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in my salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, and there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. How precious is that prayer. When they were singing tonight, what a wonderful name. He has no rival. He has no equal. Hannah brought her grievous petition before the Lord. She emptied herself out, and then she grieved no more because she trusted in God. So, Samuel was left in the temple. And a remnant is born out of grievous tears. I want you to see that Samuel is a new remnant type being brought up. It's a remnant being birthed. Remnant is always birthed in prayer, intercession, grief, and bitter tears. A remnant is born worshiping God. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Now the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial. means they were sons of our enemy. It says they knew not the Lord. But yet they held offices. Sounds like they could have worked in some of the churches in 2023. It says that they held offices 
And so how this would work is the people of Israel would come and they would, they would bring they would bring the sacrifices to the priests and they would put the flesh in the seething pot and it would boil. And the priest would take a, a three-teeth hook and what was, what was taken was to be for the priest and the rest was the sacrifice unto God. But Eli's sons, they didn't acknowledge God. They wanted and desired the raw meat sacrifice. Let us take it for a roast. And they would take their portion before the sacrifice given to God. And they had done abominable work in the sight of the Lord. It says that they, they didn't want the sodden flesh. They didn't want the flesh that was cooked, that they desired the raw meat. Samuel chapter 2, verse 27 through 35. There is a prophet that's unnamed in the Bible that would come and he would speak to Eli. And he would tell him, looking at verses 27 through 35, he said, And there came a man of God unto Eli, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when there were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest and to offer up mine altar, to burn incense and to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all of the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore kick yet at my sacrifice and make me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all offerings of Israel, my people? Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord said, be it far from me, for them that honor me, I will honor. And them that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the day has come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house. And there shall not be an old man in the house. And, seeing shall, and thou shalt see an enemy in my habitation. And all of the wealth in which God shall give Israel and all there shall not be an old man in the house forever. And the man of thine whom I shall not cut off from mine altar shall be to consume thy eyes and to grieve thine heart. And all of the increase of thy house shall die in the flower of their age. And this shall be a sign unto thee that shall come upon the two sons, on Hophni and upon Phinehas. In the day they shall die, both of them. And in verse 35 says, And I will raise up a faithful priest. That shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house. And he shall walk before mine anointed forever. So in that verse, cut off your arm means to be cut off from the anointing of God. So that night, as Samuel is sleeping in the temple as a young boy, 
He's sleeping there. And he hears his name, Samuel. He goes up. He says, yes, Eli. He says, what? He said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. He hears it again, Samuel. He goes up and says, Eli, I'm here. He said, go to sleep, son. Third time, he says, Eli, or he says, Samuel. And he comes and he says, Eli, I am here. Eli says, I want you to lay down. And if you hear your name called again, I want you to say, here am I, Lord. Speak. So Samuel goes down. He lays down. This is time number four. According to scripture, he says, Samuel. He says, yes, Lord. Here am I. And the Lord did tell Samuel all that he needed to know as a young child. Prior to that, Samuel did not know God, but he was raised in the temple. You see, you can be raised in this church, but there comes a day that you must know the Lord for yourself, and you must answer the call. But what struck me, Eli didn't run into the room, because I imagine he heard Samuel. He didn't run in at night. He waited till the morning. Now, I want you to imagine this, because... We talk tonight about a chosen generation. We talk tonight about a youth group that we named 180, named after John the Baptist, how the child grew, how he was kept away and held for his time of appearing, and how he would learn without the distraction of the political parties and the, the Pharisees in his day. We talk about these groups. So I'm asking these groups tonight, are you in the remnant? Because there was a priesthood back then. And there is a church today. And they are eerily similar of each other. And God is calling a chosen generation to be a part of that remnant that I'm speaking of tonight. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but 50 years, over 50 years of service... And the next morning, the priest Eli is coming in. Samuel, Samuel, what did God say? What did God say? Don't hold nothing from me. What did he say? I want you to think about that. 50 years of service, he's not hearing from God. He's asking the young child, what saith the Lord? I'm telling you, there's coming a day in America, whether we have economical collapse, a plague, no matter what it is, there's coming a day that people is going to be shaken, our young people, our chosen generation. What says the Lord? That day's come and mark my words. They might just come to this house. Is it going to be empty? Is it going to be full? Is the chosen generation a part of that remnant? Is 180 a part of that remnant that's being raised up? Is full gospel assembly part of that group that's being raised up? He said in there, in one part of scripture, he said, none of the old men will be in your house forever. Some of you old gray-haired men, I know there's a few of them getting there with you. Some of you old gray-haired men, 
Do you have enough strength to say praise the Lord? Do you have enough strength to say count me in on that? What I have, I'll give. I might be tired, but I'm giving what I got. I might not be healthy, but I'm giving what I got. Count me in that number. If you will, turn with me to chapter 3 of Samuel, verse 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth shall tingle. I don't know about you, I read that, that piqued my interest. The meaning of verse chapter 3, verse 11. It is the judgment of God on an old religious system and the raising up of a whole new system filled with a commitment to God. Are you part of that commitment? Are you a part of that remnant? Or are you busy? I'm busy. I get it. I fight it. I fight it. I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to be honest with you. I have struggled to preach this message. And I'm going to kind of, I'm going to glance at this and I'm going to forget it for a minute. Because i got to get down here. I'm going to tell you, there's apostasy in our church. Not this one, but in the church body. Has everybody understood what I just said? There's apostasy in the church. People are leaving their first love. They're forgetting who they are and where they came from and where our Savior brought them out of. Eli refused to reprove his children. The word says that Eli was soft on sin. Our generation, the culture in our generation requires us to be soft on sin. That's what they want, right? You got pastors afraid to preach the truth because they're afraid they have their congregation ain't going to come back. Who's going to pay the mortgage? It's a real thing. Not here. Praise God. That's a real thing, but not here. Praise God. We're a part of that remnant. Are you a part of it? We have, we have a culture that cries out for a smooth gospel. Think about that. We're looking for a smooth gospel. We don't want the bloody stuff. We don't want the the bitter tears part. We don't want the grief. We don't want greatness to be born out of our tears. When I say greatness, great works that the Lord's going to do. Set people free. Mend the brokenhearted. Heal the sick. That's what the remnant will do. You'll have, hear me out, you'll have people vexed with devils before long crying out for peace, crying out for freedom. Are you prayed up enough? Are you a part of that remnant? The old gray-haired men, we standing in the gap for that? Are we ready? We have a church system. We have entire denominations. I say marry a man and a man. 
I don't know about you. I've been to a few other churches. They are dead as a doornail, some of them. You go in and it's nothing. You're going through the motions. God's not there. He ain't there. You got men marrying men, women marrying women. God ain't there. You're wasting your time. He's gone. He's moved on. There has been an inhabitance of evil that's set up there. God said, I'll do a new thing. He said, and all this here, your ears are going to tingle. I don't know about you. I heard some of these young people sing tonight. My ears tingled a little bit. I thought, oh God, you're doing a new thing again. You're doing another new thing. And he keeps blessing and he keeps pouring out. You got pastors that has resorted to positive thinking. Come, we'll think positively. You have pastors that are given motivational speaking. Wake up in the morning. Tell yourself, you're enough. Wake up in the morning. Look in the mirror. I am going to win today. That's awesome. I win because Jesus won. Right? No mention of there is a price to pay for sin. Soft on sin. You have parents won't correct their children. I get on mine. I know I get on their nerves sometimes. I'm like, ah, don't whop that one. But I know I had kids too. Parents are afraid to correct their children nowadays. And if you go out in public, this is just the funniest thing to me. If you go out in public, they're, they're trying to put laws in place for lawlessness. Because if you don't whop your children, when they get older, they're going to go out in public and pull them shenanigans, and then Johnny Law is going to put them away. And they're going to go, what's wrong with your kid? Well, I didn't whop them. It's craziness, ain't it? If you will, turn with me to Jeremiah. We're looking at Jeremiah chapter 7. So some of you Bible scholars can help me out, correct me however you see fit. But I know that my study Bible had led me from Samuel to here. And I know that chapter 7, looking at verses 8 through 16, I know that that's talking about people indulging in false worship and idolatry. So verse 7, looking at, for chapter 7, looking at verse 8. It says, Behold ye, trust in lying words that cannot profit. I got, somebody sent me a video. It's like, hey, check this out. I can't believe that we're seeing this in the church. And 
it was some lady doing this. Man, I don't know. She was a pastor. She was doing this thing about uh, praying to our God who has multiple pronouns. And I, I just like, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, Randy, I think you might have even seen that one for a second. And, but I thought it says, trusting in lying words that cannot profit. It can't profit. There's nothing to gain there. It says, will you steal, murder, and commit adultery and swear falsely and burn incense unto Baal and walk after other gods whom you know not? Some of this, I ain't going to lie, this has hurt my heart. It says, and come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're sitting in full gospel assembly and you're shacking up together and you're doing what you want outside of here and you walk out and you live like there's no God, you do whatever pleases you, whatever sees fit, and then stand in this house called the house of prayer and say, I am free in Jesus' name to do these because he died for me. He made me free in all of my sins, past, future, and present. I am good. There is a life to live. There is a remnant that God is looking for. True gospel. And it said, if this house, which is called by my name, has it become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. He sees you. I tell my youth group that all the time. In private, he sees you. He sees you in ways that I don't see you. He sees you. Full gospel assembly, he sees you. Even tonight, he sees you. And he said, But go ye now unto my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at first, to see what I did to the wickedness of my people Israel. He's referring back to the temple in which Eli presided over. He said, go on, take a look and see what it's become. He said, now because ye have done all these works, saith the Lord, and I speak unto you, rising up early and speaking, but ye heard it not. And I called you, but you answered not. Therefore will I do unto this house which is called by my name, wherein ye trust, and unto this place which I gave to you and your fathers, as I have done in Shiloh. It says, I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all of your brethren, even the whole seed of Ephraim. He's talking about Israel. So if you look beyond Samuel chapter 3, you'll see that they came at war with the Philistines. And they were losing badly. Go figure, bad leadership. They were losing badly. If you ever wonder why your pastor is inclined to get up here and says, I'm sorry to deliver the hard message, it's because he's responsible. He's responsible to tell you if there's sin going on. He's responsible to tell you if this ain't right, if that's wrong, shouldn't do this, don't go here. He's reproofing because he doesn't want to be removed and he doesn't want to have an evil inhabitant set up in this assembly. That hard to say? This is the truth. 
But Israel was losing badly, bad leadership, many men. And so they, they rallied around the Ark of the Covenant. They're all, we need God. We need God. And it says that a great cry went out. Philistine soldiers, they got scared. Like, whoa, why are they crying? They're getting their rear ends whipped. What's going on? It says it was a great cry. Philistine leader, he said, listen, gird yourself like men. We're taking them. And they did. And they stole the Ark of the Covenant. But let me tell you the power of God. Because I know that many of you, remnant, you're fighting spiritual battles. You're fretting. You're at war. You're in a spiritual, spiritual issues going on. But God's power is so much more greater. And they, the ark was there in the Philistines' camp. He calls other gods that they had prayed to. The Philistines had many gods to fall down and break. And all of a sudden it said, Emrods. These were like plagues and diseases begin. And it killed over 50,000 Philistines. The two that looked inside died. You got to understand, the Ark of the Covenant was there. The presence of God was in the presence of my enemies. And he said, who can stand before the Almighty? Over 50,000, I think it says like 56 and 10 or something. They said, get that thing out of here. They brought back all the soothsayers, the priests, magicians. They said, what do we do? They said, get it out of here and make yourself a little peace offering saying, I'm sorry. Make these little gold things that look like the plagues that came on you and send it back. You believe it took a magician to figure that out? And they said, send it back because there's power in his covenant. There's power hiding in him. We are called to be the remnant today. Are you in the remnant? If the singers will go ahead and come forward. Might have been an unusual message. I know that we had many, many awesome songs. Many good singers sung. And the presence of the Lord was here. But God is looking for a committed people. He's looking for a people that's not willing to back down. He's looking for a people that love Him and are looking for Him. He's looking for a holy people. I know they have a couple of songs to sing. But if you don't know him, or if you're unsure as to whether or not you are going to be in that remnant, please come forward. No.
your sorrows and trade them for joy and from the ashes a new life is born jesus is calling oh come to Sin had left a crimson stain. He 